glass of beer and talk about uh, all the things we can. So spare a minute of your time. Oh, it's time for. Deep in the Tetons, hiking through beauty, drinking past bears. Today, we pair a beer style with exploring Grand Teton National Park. The history, scenery, and wildlife of the Jackson Hole Valley are all discussed as we hike deep into the Teton Mountain Range. Our final destination is the remote and beautiful Delta Lake. Our beer choice is uncertain. Let's drink past bears, scale up boulders, and down some pines. Shall we? Now it's time for some fun. Time for some dare. Grand Teton National Park is located in northwestern Wyoming. It boasts 310,000 acres of soaring peaks, sprawling forests, and indescribably beautiful lakes and precious wildlife. The imposing Teton Range looms over the largely flat Jackson Hole Valley, making more than a perfect series of locations to enjoy a brew, or many brews. I'm standing at the base of the Tetons. The sun shines down on me, unhindered by any clouds. Crisp air fills my lungs as I take the first couple steps of what I know will be a very difficult hike. Delta Lake is the final destination. It's thousands of feet above my current location, so I'm pretty eager to start as soon as possible. With a click, I fasten my bear spray to my side and enter the forest. The beer styles we are considering today are 1. Vienna Lager 2. West Coast IPA and finally, Maybach. Here's one of the most interesting dichotomies of the the Tetons, in my opinion. The 2.7 billion year old rocks found in the core of the Teton mountain range are some of the oldest around. But the actual range itself, the mountain range, ranks among the youngest in North America. One of the most beautiful and unique things about the Tetons, in my opinion, is the lack of the foothills to obstruct your view of the mountain range. Let's go back a brisk 10 million years ago, when movement on the Teton Fault generated massive earthquakes, causing the mountains to rise while the valley dropped. So, it was this simultaneous rising and falling of land that creates the wonderful, beautiful landscape that we see today. When in the valley, most of the year, you look up at the snow-lined peaks, vast forests, and cascading waterfalls, and you're reminded of the grandiosity of this little tiny rock we live on. It's difficult to feel important when standing in the valley beneath something so monumentous. Insignificance means that there are grand things other than yourself. And I don't think that's a bad thing. 
The sound of the rushing water fades as I leave the mountain stream. All day, all day, I say to myself, it's only been 20 minutes, but it's not nearly as bad as I expected. My hair is wet from dunking my head in the stream I just passed. Birds chirp as I walk enthusiastically forward. Let's look further into the styles we're considering today. Starting with the Vienna style lager coming in at 4.5 to 5.5 ABV. The Vienna lager traces its origins back to Austria in the 1840s when Anton Drahir used a new pale malt style. Today, we refer to it as the Vienna malt. This beer was supremely popular in Austria until more mass-produced golden lagers kind of supplanted it. Not entirely, but kind of. There's really never a bad time to drink a Vienna lager, in my opinion. As one of my personal favorite beer styles to drink, I identify it by its malty aroma, slight roasted toastiness, and medium to low bitterness that all balance out into a drinkable but flavorful brew. So, why should we pair it with the Tetons, you ask, Mr. Noah? Well, for a couple of reasons. Wyoming is not sunny <laughs> all the time. It's not sunny year-round. It's actually pretty unpredictable. So it stands to reason that you pick a beer that you can drink in different places in different conditions. The Vienna Lager can be very quenchable if you're done with a hike, but also it's flavorful if you stop to admire the mountains. Next up, for all you hopheads, we have the West Coast IPA coming in at 6 to 8 ABV. Throughout the American beer renaissance in the 1980s and 90s, newly founded breweries sought to redefine traditional European styles, including the traditional IPA. Over time, these IPAs evolved into their own substyles. Enter West Coast IPA, which are notable for their big citrus piney aromas and mild malt base. But let's cut the shit, really. Uh, West Coast is all about the hops. It's all about the hops. Many people will find the West Coast to be a bit bitter for their taste. But if you appreciate hops and the deep flavor they can provide to your beer, West Coast is kind of an always solid choice. It's this flavor and this character that makes the West Coast a good contender with the Tetons. Hops, in my opinion, have this weird universal quality in that they are enjoyable both in cold and hot weather. It can be quenchable after a long hike in the summer. Also, it can kind of give you something to focus on after being out in the cold. I'd also like to add this thought. So the Tetons, mountains in general, but the Tetons aren't always a comfortable place to be. Don't get me wrong, it's jaw-droppingly beautiful. But it's a raw, slightly unpredictable landscape to immerse yourself in completely. If you're hiking deep in the range, bears can bite your neck off. <laughs> Walking around can be a challenge with the inclines, and the weather can change in a heartbeat. And so, with the West Coast, it's a beautiful thing looking. But inside, there's a storm of hops. <laughs> so, that's what makes you respect the beer. The good ones, anyway. Finally, we have the Maybach, one of my other favorite beers at 6 to 8 ABV. 
Now, no one is certain how this German style of beer came to be, but the best-known story of the origin of the Maybach dates back to 7th century Germany. According to legend, royal families within Germany yearned for something both malty and strong, kind of tiring of their current German ales. This desire prompted Hofbrau to create something they called Maybach. This beer famously is brewed at the end of April in order to be ready for the month of May. These days, it's hard to find a good Maybach being brewed around you, so if you do find one, please jump on it. Let's make this style come back because it's really good. I think what separates a Maybach from other light beers is its balance. The toasty malts and spicy and peppery taste coming from the hops. And as I've established with the other styles, any beer we pick should be drinkable throughout different situations. So it's light for the summertime. It also can have a darker qualities that are good in the winter when it's colder. It's very drinkable at any time of the year, even though <laughs> people traditionally brew it uh, in the springtime. Let's get back on the trail. Each step gets harder and harder as the incline steepens. I come to the conclusion that my optimism was premature as I struggle to capture my breath. The large rocks on the path threaten to, shall I say, fuck up my ankles with one single misstep. I look down at the shrinking aspens at the base of the mountain, and I wonder how much longer is this hike going to be? The birds still chirp, but now I'm much less inclined to sing along. The Shoshan, Bannock, Blackfoot, Crow, Flathead, Gross Ventre, and Nez Pierce were the primary tribes utilizing the Teton area when Europeans began to settle the land. Speaking of Settling other people's land, John Coulter, who participated in the Lewis and Clark expedition, is thought to be one of the first European explorers to visit the area. The park itself was officially established as a national park by Congress in 1929. But at the time, it's important to note, it was a fraction of its present-day size, which means only parts of Jackson Hole were protected. Enter an unexpected Ally John D. Rockefeller Jr., son of the standard oil founder John D. Rockefeller. This actually is really interesting. So, after visiting the Tetons, Rockefeller agreed to secretly acquire thousands of acres of land around the Jackson Hole area under a cover company called Snake River Land Co. This was done secretly in part because if people found out Rockefeller himself was acquiring the land, the price of that very land would skyrocket. The land acquired under Snake River Landco, a.k.a. Rockefeller, was then donated to the federal government, successfully preventing a trend towards commercialization in the area. In 1950, the present-day Grand Teton National Park was officially established with the new land included. Ice was all around us. Our first attempt to continue our journey was up through an ice niche, but we discovered that there were no place 
to hold on to. We were consequently forced to follow a little gallery three feet wide up to the north side. Here is where the great similarity of the Grand Teton to the Matterhorn comes in. I have climbed both, and I know whereof I am speaking. All the rock was slippery, and we could not go too carefully. I hope you enjoyed my voice acting of an entry of the first documented ascent to the Teton's highest peak at 13,775 feet by Franklin Spencer Spaulding and his party. The climb took 11 hours. I am no Franklin Spencer Spaulding. I say to myself as I look forward. Ahead, there is no path, no markers, no people, just large gray boulders. In my head, I quote John Mulaney, looking out at what's expected of me. You want me to do what? Anyway, I take a breath. My body hurts substantially more than I expected. I feel like I need a break, but I also know that I'm on a schedule. I want to be looking like a snack, but not for bears, as they're especially active as the sun sets. I take a sip of the last of my water. I realize that the only liquid I have left is the single beer can stowed away in my camping bag. I grab onto the nearest boulder and begin to climb. Time for some Teton rapid fire facts. Let's go. Number one, humans have been living in the Grand Teton region for more than 100 centuries. This goes back 11,000 years when nomadic tribes first arrived in the area. They lived in the valley in the summer and migrated during the harsh winter to find food and supplies in warmer areas. Very smart. Archaeologists have found evidence of fishing and hunting tools, teepee rings, and fire pits along the shores of Jackson Lake, one of the glacier lakes. Number two, and speaking of glacier lakes, the glacier activities around the park led to the formation of several natural lakes. Six of them. Jackson, Jenny, Lee, Bradley, Taygart, and Phelps. Number three, Grand Teton National Park is the only national park to have an airport within the national park boundaries. You can literally get out of your plane and look at the beautiful Teton mountain range. It's, it's unreal. Number four, you can see a bunch of wildlife within the park, including elk, moose, bison, pronghorn, black bear, river otter, among many, many others. But I will say the pronghorn is the fastest land mammal in the Western Hemisphere. And bonus fact, this park is home to the smallest North American bird, the Calliope hummingbird. It's very cute if you want to look it up. And that's it. Pretty cool. No matter how sophisticated you may be, a large granite mountain cannot be denied. It speaks in silence to the very core of your being. Ansel Adams. Go fuck yourself, Ansel Adams, I think to myself, as I'm panting like a dog, definitely making noise on a mountain. <laughs> I see the final ledge I have to cross, about 80 feet above me. I find it incredibly hard to move even a few feet. Exhausted, 
I fall down onto a particularly large boulder to catch my breath and apologize to Ansel Adams because I, he's great. <laughs> a minute passes. Two very clear rewards force me to keep going. The view I know is waiting for me over that ledge and the full beer by my side. With one last supreme effort, I climb up the remainder of the steep slope of boulders. I reach the top, run towards the sound of rushing water, and stop in my tracks. In front of me rests a crystal blue lake, surrounded by stunning snow-kissed mountains and saturated green trees. I don't speak. I can't. I've never seen something so indescribably, undeniably, and unquestionably beautiful. A minute passes. I exhale. Only one thing could make this moment better. I jump onto a boulder near the shore of the lake. There is no wind, and the sun shines down on my face. I change my shirt and lie down, taking in the rays of the sun and the sound of the water. The time, I realize, is here. I am thirsty. I reach deep into my bag and pull out a West Coast IPA. I take the most refreshing, scenic, and memorable sip of my life. Look, I feel extraordinarily guilty for not picking the Vienna Lager or the Maybach because they are literally two of my favorite beer styles. But here's my reasoning for overlooking both of them. Although they're both refreshing, which pairs well with hiking, they're both flavorful, which pairs well with silence, in my opinion. I feel like both of these qualities are equally exemplified in the West Coast IPA, and then some. So I picked the West Coast IPA for two additional reasons. Reason number one, the West Coast often has pine notes, which is reminiscent of the outdoors, in my opinion. There's nothing better than downing a West Coast in natural locations. And number two, the concept of a national park is uniquely an American innovation, really, that grew in part out of the conservation movement that began in the 19th century. Equally, the story of the American IPA and its sub-styles, East, West Coast, etc., is kind of uniquely American, too. The pairing of both just makes sense. Ideologically, taste-wise, every other way. Especially in pairing the West Coast with the beautiful Teton Range and the scenic valley surrounding it. I reach down into the cold, turquoise lake. The mountains are beautiful. I feel the warmth of the sun again as I take a refreshing, bitter, piney, flavorful, beautiful sip of a West Coast IPA in the heart of Grand Teton National Park. This is the first of many in our national parks pairing series, and I couldn't be more happy, pleased, grateful that I got to visit Grand Teton National Park. It's really hard to describe how how, how beautiful, how scenic that hike was, how beautiful the range is. Just that whole area is 
um, indescribable. And I'm very grateful I got to experience it. And I hope that you go out and do the same because that's what national parks are for. Enjoyment for everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Beer Nomad podcast. It helps the show grow if you can rate, review, subscribe, wherever you're listening now. Additionally, you can follow along at my Instagram at the Beer Nomad Van. See pictures of the hike. I do a lot of stories um, where I'm at at the time. So thank you very much. And that's it for this week. Drink good beer and be good to each other. Cheers. Mm-hmm.